In an age of moral bankruptcy, political sleaze, theological confusion, and aimless religion in a mindless church, we're addressing the need for a Bible-based, intellectually rigorous, 21st century Christian faith. This is Sinners and Saints. Theology with an edge. If you are a Christian who is not a member of a church, or if you are a Christian who goes to a church that does not have church membership, raise your hand. Okay, I've got something to say to you. You cannot have God for your father unless you take the church to be your mother. You must be a member of a church if you are a Christian. We're talking about church membership tonight on Sinners and Saints. You're listening to Sinners and Saints on 99.5 FM, KKLA. Hi, this is Reverend John Sautel, pastor of Congregational Life and Outreach at First United Reformed Church of Chino. We are a Protestant, Bible-based, family-oriented church committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are located just off the 60 freeway at Mountain Avenue in Chino. We worship at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. every Sunday. If you'd like more information about our church, give us a call at 866-99-UNITED. That's 866-99-UNITED. We welcome you to Sinners and Saints tonight. I'm Adam Kalustian, your co-host with John Sautel, Moses Jambazian. We're pastors of local United Reformed Churches, and we're talking about church membership tonight. We're talking about it because we run into, over and over again, people who say they are Christians but are not members of a Christian church. Yeah, what you wind up with is a lot of people who basically are self-declared Christians, but when you try to figure out what that means for them, it's just basically, well, I feel like a Christian. Well, that's fine. I feel like an astronaut. I'm not an astronaut. I feel like a duck. I'm not a duck. It's an irrelevant statement. So start talking to these people and ask them, what does it mean that you're a Christian? How is it that you're identified? And the fact is they have no clue other than that they think they are nice people and therefore God should love them. Or they tend to think that their membership began when they were baptized or because they were saved. And they have this idea that just because they walked down the aisle, they walked the sawdust trail, they prayed the sinner's prayer, they said, I do, that somehow that they had meant... Their, they had their daily devotions. Yeah, they right. They talked to other Christians. They're in their accountable groups. Or um, there I was at the beach with my friends, and one of them started witnessing to me, and I said, well, why can't we just go now into the Pacific and get baptized? And since then, I've been a Christian. Right. I was dunked three times in the Pacific Ocean, so that makes me a Christian. I read my Bible. Christ. I read and, my Bible. But you can't say I'm not a Christian. Who are you to judge just because I'm not a member of a local church? See, that, that's part of the attitude right there, is who are you to judge? See, this is one of the big stumbling block and obstacles to becoming a part of a member of a church right there, is that it seems to imply this idea of somebody is standing in judgment over me. And who are you to judge me? Where in the Bible do you get the authority to say that I am a Christian or not a Christian? How do you dare to question me and my confession? Well, maybe we better start by telling you that the Bible requires you, if you say you're a Christian, to become a member of a local church. This isn't just something that we make up or we're imposing over you or judging you. Where? Where? Okay, start in the Old Testament. God is a God 
who keeps a book, and he keeps numbers. Think about Israel. You read all those Old Testament books that have these long genealogical lists of the tribes and of the families. Why does he do that? Because he makes a careful distinction between those people who belong to him and those people who do not. Israel is separate from the nations, and Israel takes census. Israel takes a role, and they have lists that keep those people very tightly monitored. Along those lines, it seems to me that, yes, you cannot go to Hezekiah 9-6 and chapter and verse quote the idea that church membership is required by the Word of God, but it's implied, first of all, in the whole idea of what the church is. The church is the covenant community. It's the covenant people of God. And the Word of God teaches very clearly who belongs to the covenant community. It's believers and their children. It's those who profess the name of Jesus Christ. It's the ones who call on the name of the Lord. You go back all the way to the early chapters of Genesis, and you see that's how it is defined. People, the covenant community, the people calling on the name of the Lord. You also have in the book of Numbers the very fact that anyone who is not numbered among Israel can't even enter the camp, and those who come to the camp who are of Israel can't get near the tabernacle. In fact, the Levites are instructed, kill anybody who comes close who is not part of your tribe or a priest. So you definitely have God marking people out and distinguishing some over and against others and deciding that some people can be near and others cannot. Okay, and it's not just in the Old Testament, but you see this idea of the covenant community being numbered, being an official community, being separate from everybody else, carried over also into the New Testament church. Acts 2, uh, 41. Those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. They are a numbered group, and they are distinguished from everybody else. This is an official community is the church it's not just oh a few people became part of it no they were numbered and they became part of that official community well not only were the members of the church actually numbered so that people knew where they could find the church they were identified in terms of this number that they'd received they were part of a whole group but also widows were kept on the list you go to acts chapter 6 for instance to the foundation of the diaconate it's very clear these widow ladies know that they are a part of the church and that they are being neglected by the officers of the church and the ministry of the church. You go to First Timothy, you also have the whole idea of the widow's list there. Put them on the number. Now, if nobody could be identified with the church in any kind of a tangible or concrete way, uh, this direction from Paul to Timothy would be utterly meaningless. So we see God keeping a list. He's a bookkeeper. He keeps a list in his Old Testament church, the nation of Israel. He keeps a list in the New Testament church of the membership, specifically in within that list, a list of the widows. You have to have the list, the membership list. Otherwise, you can't make any of these distinctions. Keep in mind also, a lot of the problems that we're having with this understanding now is based on the fact that we live in modern America. This is not a problem that you would have had historically. Historically, you would have been very clearly identified with a community, but now with the mobility and the money, people are just so much in, so independent that they just assume that that also transfers over to Christianity. But we cannot let the church be defined by the culture. The church must be defined by Scripture. Well, one more I want to throw in on this whole list of reasons for why you should join a church, and that is a very obvious point in Scripture is that the church is a body. And the whole metaphor of body being applied to the church implies that this is an external, visible organization. And so if you are a part of it, very clearly, then there will be a membership to it. There will be some way to validate whether you belong to community church down on the corner 
or the uh, Presbyterian church across the town. There should be some outward, external way of accounting for where you belong. There's also the problem of some parts of the body, some things in the body become cancerous and dangerous and have to be removed, and the concept of excommunication. You see that very clearly in Scripture, that some parts have to be removed, and it can't just be someone standing there and saying, I declare myself a Christian. Others are saying, we declare you as a non-believer. We do not see your profession as valid. We want you out, and we don't want anyone mistaking you for a member of our church. I want you to understand that point. The fact of church discipline, the fact that it must exist, and the fact that there is excommunication in any true church means that there has to be a membership list. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11, But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral. And that's not just sort of some sort of loose category, but that's someone who is on the membership list in a local church who is living in unrepentant sin. And at that point, Paul says, eventually you must put them off of that list. They must be excommunicated. You can't follow these instructions without having the membership list of the visible church. We'll pick this back up when we come back. This is Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. Are you looking for a church that values the Word of God and the rediscovery of its riches in the Protestant Reformation? Hi, I'm Pastor Adam Kalusti, and I want to invite you to join us at the Ontario United Reformed Church. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. Take the Euclid Avenue exit off the 60 freeway, go north one block to Philadelphia Street, turn right, and you'll see us. That's the Ontario United Reformed Church, 866-99-UNITED. So much of the teaching happening in the church today is about how to become something, whether it's how to become a better spouse or parent or how to become more on fire for God. In the pursuit of becoming something else, we've forgotten who we already are. Come and experience the present realities of your Christian life through the Word and Sacrament at Grace Evangelical Church in Torrance, where the focus is on what God has done for you instead of what God could do for you. Call us at 310-782-7019 or visit us online at graceevangelicalchurch.org We welcome you back to Sinners and Saints, Adam Kalustian, Moses Jambezi, and John Sotel, pastors in local United Reformed Churches. Here's the problem with all you people listening tonight. The problem is that you say you're a Christian, but you don't go to any church. Or your problem is you do go to church, and the church doesn't have church membership. But you cannot have God for your father unless you take the church to be your mother. You have to be a member of a local church. People in California don't like that. No, there's definitely a California theology that Calvary Chapel is like the prime instigator of, and that is it's a hippie counterculture ministry coming out of the Jesus movement, and it has nothing to do with the church or it has no basis in Scripture. And that's the big problem we're dealing with is all these people who think that as long as I say I'm a Christian or as long as I somehow read these books or listen to this station, I'm fine. But that's not right. That's not even... It's not even rational. Well, it's you, so ridiculous. Yeah, and you know the proof of that is if you tell somebody from Calvary Chapel, look, you must have church membership because that's the way that somebody gets excommunicated. Immediately they'll say, well, why would we want somebody to be put out of the church? He won't that- hear the gospel. We can't preach to him. How will he repent if he doesn't hear the gospel? And the problem is their whole understanding of what a church is is so unbiblical, and they don't even have the basis to evaluate biblical arguments for church membership and seeing why it's necessary. It all comes back down to the Bible teaching that there is a visible church that keeps a role. 
Right. We have gone to so many passages, but I mean, here's just one more. I mean, you can pull these out uh, all day long from the New Testament, from the total scope of Scripture. This idea of church membership is supported. But basically, if you're saying there's no such thing as church membership, you're putting yourself in a position to disobey the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they watch over your souls as those who will give account. Now, when I say if you refuse to join a church and to believe in church membership, that puts you at odds with the Scripture and makes you disobedient. What I mean is this. There's no way for you, if you do not have church membership in your church, and if you are not a member in a church, there is no way for you, first of all, to submit to the leaders of the church. And number two, there's no way for them to watch over you. And yet the Word of God says that they are put there for the very purpose of watching out for your soul and to give an account for your soul. But if you are not willing to go identify yourself with the church and to say to the leaders of the church, yes, you stand in judgment over my profession and my way of life, there is no way for you to submit to the Word of God, and you have to you have to understand that. So who are you to judge? How is it that you think you're the one who's been appointed to do these things and to stand in judgment over me? Well, the irony of that is, the answer to it is God's gift. Christ has gifted his church. Christ has given gifts to men so that they would rule and lead in the church. And why I say there's irony in it is because the very same people who reject the whole idea of church membership are the very first ones to tout this whole idea of spiritual gifts. I think one of the big problems that we keep running into, I know this from my own experience of talking to people, is that most people are content to let their own judgments reign supreme. And the idea that there might be others who know what's going on, the fact that there might be others that God has actually given, as you say, a gift to the church is beyond their understanding. And so I know I'm a Christian and therefore whatever I do is right. And that can be anything. That means I'm in my little reformed clique in this Arminian church and I despise the minister. I think he's a fool. I mock all the teaching, but I know I'm a Christian and this is where I belong because I'm reaching others. Well, hold on. I want to talk about that a little bit, Moses, because there's somebody out there saying, well, I'm a member of a church, but you know what? Your idea of church membership is that you belong to somebody, but your group, your little friends, and it's a lot of Calvinists, it's a lot of so-called Reformed people calling themselves Reformed, who disagree with the formal doctrine of the church, who disagree with the theology of the minister, and yet supposedly find themselves obeying this command to be a member of the church. Well, let me tell you, as the passage John quoted, you are to submit to the ministers and the elders of the church. That means fundamentally that you would agree with what they teach and what they are uh, how they are raising your children, how they are guiding you in the scriptures, but you sit there cynical all the time. But aren't we supposed to be missionaries and go out? Aren't we supposed to preach the gospel to sinners? And certainly in the Arminian church, these guys don't know what the truth is. If I leave, who's going to tell them the truth? Well, here's the answer to that. The Reformed churches are. And if you leave and set a good example and a godly example by submitting yourself to the those to whom God has gifted and appointed, then you will grow and you will have a better foundation to reach the lost. But as it is... You are just being arrogant. The fact of the matter is, nobody, whether they're a member right now of a Reformed church or any other church, nobody on their own, even if they're a leader or pastor, none of the three of us sitting around this table, none of us are able to keep ourselves in check by ourselves. That's the point. I can't help other people if I'm not held accountable by my elders. I can't be a pastor and a preacher in my own church if I'm not held accountable to them. That's right. The fact of the matter is the Word of God makes is very plain and very simple so that anybody can understand it. You don't need a college education to get this. It's simple. 
God said, I appoint leaders in my church, and you submit. And, you know, one more thing about that. Not interested in hearing the response, well, the Holy Spirit is the one who testifies to me whether or not I'm a Christian. Look, the Holy Spirit speaks through his word. And if you want to contradict the word of God, then you're contradicting the Holy Spirit. And please don't use his name in this discussion. The fact of the matter is that you must visibly get on a membership list so that your life and doctrine can be examined and that you can be encouraged and trained and kept in the Lord. We'll come back talk more about this. Reformation Radio. Theology with an edge. Come to worship God at the Pasadena United Reformed Church. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. Hear the gospel faithfully preached. Rejoice in the God of your salvation. Come and join us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. We are located at 226 West Colorado in Arcadia off the Santa Anita exit of the 210 freeway. Call us at 866-99-UNITED or visit us at urcsocal.org. We are back on Sinners and Saints. We're talking about church membership. There's all kinds of implications of the doctrine of church membership. The first is that you obviously have to be a member of a local church. You have to be a member of the visible body of Christ, but there are other implications. Well, you need to believe that the body of Christ is defined by its theology, as we talked about last week, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, and you must belong to that where the two doctrines are really preached. But that means that you can't define yourself as a Christian by the causes that you support, which is done so often nowadays where everybody follows after whatever the radio tells them to do or the whatever news magazines they get. And so I'm Republican, I'm anti-abortion, I'm anti-gay rights, and therefore I'm a Christian even though I'm not really identified with the body and I don't love the body and I don't serve the body. Yeah, listen very carefully. Your Christian identity needs to be expressed visibly and understood by you primarily in terms of your membership in the local church and serving that body for the edification of the others in that body. Most of you spend your time on all of these causes and all you worry about is the latest bill that's being passed by the left. It's not wrong to be a part of these things, by the way. We're not saying that. But if you make that the primary application of what it means to be a member of Christ's church, you've completely misunderstood it. The fact is, if you are a part of the body of Christ, you are obligated to now serve the saints. You are obligated to serve those Christians who are your neighbors, who are in uh, the same church you are at, who are members of the same body you are a part of. It's fine that you go down and you help out the Crisis Pregnancy Center, but when you get so preoccupied with all of these so-called Christian activities and writing letters in to your congressman and being a part of these political action campaigns every time James Dobson sends out another political alert uh, bulletin, you're missing the most important application of what it means to be a member of the body of Christ is that you serve the saints and their needs. See, one, of the, one of the things that people tend to forget is that it is much more difficult to love those you know than those who are far off. And everybody wants to say, look, I love the people in Africa, and so I give to them. I love the orphans in Romania, and I give to them. Or I love my nation, the Christian nation, so I give my time to supporting the causes that will promote it. But Bill or John or Ted, I can't stand them. You don't know what they did to me. And so I will not kill them. I will not destroy them, but I will not show an ounce of love. I will only have a detente type of a thing. Right. I will, they will walk on their side of the aisle. I'll walk on mine. And so you walk into the, to, uh, to the auditorium on Sunday to worship and it's icy cold because everybody's so busy giving each other the cold shoulder because they really 
practically and for all intents and purposes don't really care for the members of the body. And that's where ministers and elders need to come and knock heads together and say, you guys are members of the body and your service is for the benefit of Bill or Ted. And Bill or Ted, your service is for the benefit of John or Adam. And you will serve and you will do it in love. And you know, another way this happens too is it's not just service outside the church that prevents uh, communion and unity within the fellowship of Christ's body, but it's what happens inside the church. We segregate ourselves off into our little cliques, and instead of ministering and helping out other Christians, we end up reinforcing uh, those people who are like us and our own beliefs and preferences, and so we don't go outside of these little comfort zones that we establish. Well, let's, let's bring that out a little bit, John. What are the cliques? I mean, we see, what, in some churches there's the doctrine clique, the people who are all reading the most recent theology, and they, for their life of them, they can't figure out how to have a normal conversation with other people in the church, and frankly, that's disgusting. <laughs> I don't care if you're a Calvinist, whatever you are, you have to learn how to interact with other people on a normal level. Level. And then you have the people that stand off to the side because they belong to a certain culture, they look the same way, or you have the people on the other side who like to gossip or do whatever, and we define ourselves in these little cliques, and that militates directly against the communion of the saints that is required of us in the scripture. And whether it's because you've had problems with other people or you're in your clique, either way, you're not really demonstrating love. Now, if you've had problems, the Bible says, forgive, love covers a multitude of sins, and then you serve one another. And the cliques are unacceptable because Paul has already told us, you can't say, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. You can't be separated out by class. You must love all members of the church, and you must serve all members of the church, and therefore, the body has to be united. And where the body fails to do this, where members do not, then the elders and the ministers have to actually go and say, no, you are in sin. Either you now support the body and build up the body, or you will be cut out of the body because you are causing harm to the body of Christ. Yeah, you know what this boils down to is that you are obligated because you are a part of the body to supply the particular function that Christ has appointed you to supply. And so you have to realize that is your role within the church, and we all need each other. So we can't be getting the situation which Paul talks about in the New Testament, that the foot doesn't have need of the hand, that the eye doesn't have need of the ear, and so forth and so on. Because you form a part of the body, the gifts you've been given by Christ, the role and the function you have within his body is very important for the overall health and vitality of it. And so we have got to fulfill our calling to love our neighbor as ourself and to do what we can to promote the health and welfare of Christ's body. The church during the early times actually had the whole monastic movement start up with all these individual Christians. And unlike really the cowards of today who won't become members, but they still want all the benefits of society, at least the monastics were honest enough to say, we're cutting ourselves off from society completely. But very quickly, they also became arrogant, corrupted. Many of them, of course, probably got sick and died on their own. And then you wound up with the monastic movement as a whole, as opposed to the hermits. But really, even that, the Reformation brought out as being unhealthy and said, no, we must be members of one another in the body completely as a church with men and women and children, families and ministers and elders and deacons. And we must now see and understand we are a whole body as Christ himself intended us to be. And so let's go back to the scriptures. Let's have our understanding of the church defined by scripture. So we've been talking about the implications of the communion of saints of being a church member. But of course, that all presumes that you must be a member of a church. No more calling yourself a Christian without being a member of a church or going to a church that doesn't have church membership. 
It's not following the scripture. You cannot have God for your father unless you have the church for your mother. We thank you for joining us tonight on Sinners and Saints. Join us next week as we tackle more topics with the truth of God's Word on Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. For more information, call 866-99-UNITED or log on to the web at urcsocal.org. That's 866-99-UNITED. Are you a seeker looking to fill up the SUV of your heart at God's pay-at-the-pump gas station? Do you yearn to recapture that feeling of a spiritual high that accompanied you swaying with your hands raised to the rhythm of a conga solo as you sang those deeply inspirational lyrics like, I just want to fall in love with you, Jesus. And don't you just love altar calls? Loads of them. Where even the elders come forward to recommit their lives to Jesus. Well, we at Grace Evangelical Church think that's all so very, very special. Just don't come to our church or don't visit us online at graceevangelicalchurch.org.